0: Play for free at luckylandslots.com. slots.com. Daily bonuses are
1: waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. One the things about the YA
3: group, too, is that uh, at the inquest, um, the senior uh, Royal Household members who gave evidence, and they were uh, the private secretary of the Queen at the time, which was Robert Fellows, and uh, the private secretary of Prince Philip, um, whose name escapes me just now. But uh, anyway, both these guys gave evidence and, and they were, because no senior royals were called, um, and they were basically the only royal household members also that were called, um, but there was their evidence on the way head that was very significant because um, and the reason why the way was a factor of the inquest was because where, there was a special meeting that was in July 1997, just a month before Diana died. So at, at the inquest, these two men were asked about the nature of the way he group and they, they consistently stated that the way group was just about organising the schedules of royals. So uh, I'd have these meetings just to discuss. There was no double-ups of meetings, double um, royal appearances, and um, you know various uh, engagements and things like that. So that was completely at odds. Um, by that time, you had 2007. You're talking about uh, it was set up '92, so 15 years of. Um, Media reports on the way he grew, uh, and media don't dream these things up, even though some people might think they do. But the media reports are based on uh, leaks that come out of the royal household, um, and the the, the, the reports in the media consistently said that the way he group was about major issues facing the royal family, which I think was also common sense. I mean, why would the queen set up a committee? She's the chairman, co-chairman with the lord chamberlain. Why, why would she set up a committee that formally meets? You know, unless it was of significance. Um, you know, schedule engagements. That that would be something common sense would tell us that would be done by the royal House. The, the um, there wouldn't be a need to have a major meeting of the senior roles to be able to achieve that, and so. This was one of the issues that even put more, shines more of a light on the way Group, because why, at the English, why did the, Why did these senior royal household members state that this was, the a Group had nothing to do with major decisions based in the royal family? And, and they consistently said that, so why? Because, see, the issue is that, okay, there was a, there was a newspaper article Written in July 1997, so stating that at the next way Group, and this was on the 20th of July. Oh, 31st, the 20th of July, there was an article in the Daily Mirror or Sunday Mirror in uh, London, stating that the at the top of the agenda of the upcoming Wayahig Group meeting was Diana, which is top of the agenda. Now, um, so so. So that, what the what the um, royals are doing is by saying, "Oh no, what we do is work out engagement at the way head group meetings." That they're trying to um, shift the, the focus. So so okay, if if we all we discuss is engagement, royal engagement, then there's no possible way that Diana could have been at the top of the agenda, and. Uh, but the logic, and and based on like I said, 15 years of newspaper articles, that the logic is that more serious issues were discussed. So, what is the problem with that? See, why what why wouldn't the royals at the inquest say okay, but we do discuss major issues. at the, um, Diana was a major issue. Diana was discussed. What's the problem with that? What, why wouldn't they do that? I mean. The, the the only thing that comes to mind is they're trying to cover up, because if there was, it was obvious that Diana was a major issue facing Northampton, anyone who was in the history of Rotary knows that. So, and why would you be discussing senior roles anyway, whether there was a Rotary group meeting or not? And so, but they went clearly and said, no, no, Diana wasn't mentioned. That was not the purpose of the way group. So you know why do that because it's logic that she would have been discussed and uh, and what's wrong with her being discussed uh, except if there was an assassination that the royals were involved that you would have every reason to try and distance yourself I call it excessive distancing it's not something that just the royals but it's something that runs through this case is that that organizations has have excessively distanced themselves from what occurred so so one way to excessively distance yourself from discussing diana saying okay we did, did all engagements at the way group meeting so i call that excessive distancing they're distancing themselves so that they can't possibly have had anything to do with the assassination of diana <clears throat> uh,
2: you know that brings up a lot because now uh, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of evidence out there that uh, Henri Paul was intelligence. That Princess Diana was being uh, wiretapped by U.S. intelligence. Yeah. Let, let's start with the first of all. Uh, we know for a fact she was a uh, wiretapped by U.S. intelligence because we have those recordings. Uh, we have the the admission for that. But now, now, what about uh, all these allegations that Henri Paul, the driver, was some kind of intelligence agency, uh, working for uh, the French intelligence? Uh, what do you have on that?
3: Yeah, well, um, Henri Paul, uh, it's sort of, it's a, uh, it's a matter of putting together all the evidence. And you know, there's things about Henry Paul that make him a very suspicious looking character, uh, from that perspective, like you say, intelligence. And one of the aspects is that he had these huge amounts of money coming into his he had fifteen different bank accounts. Right. And and, and I've spread over about three or four different banks and he had huge amounts of money coming in, um, to these bank accounts. Now, it's not a very hard thing for um, a lot of this money was coming in in cash was it was fixed amounts in cash 40,000 French francs at a time at over some periods. Um, And then there was more uh, different different totals in cash and then some was in checks and that. um, So it's not very difficult to ascertain. This, the um, source of a check that gets banked onto an account, and uh, and yet the two two police investigations, French and British, neither of them were able to ascertain the source of any of the checks that Henry Paul was banking. Now, okay, most of the money was cash that went in, uh, but there were checks. So. How is that? How is it? I mean, I'm an, I, use, I was an accountant for many years. I know that it's very easy to establish the source of the cheque, and uh, and yet they never did. And so you've got these amounts and, uh, big sums of money, enough money coming in to enable Henry Porter to, to a lot of flying. He, he had a hobby of flying planes, and uh, so he um, was able to pursue that he wasn't able to do that on his Ritz salary. Uh, I've forgotten the exact amounts now involved, but, but the money coming in was many times or several times greater than what his uh, Ritz salary was. So, so that the police were not able to work out where any of this money came from. Um, and there's another aspect to that, of course, that no one's put their hand up for it. You know, like, okay anyone to do if the case knows that they were looking for where this money came from but if there was an innocent source uh then why wouldn't the person put their hand up you know so i know i I was giving that money so that never happened
2: right you know that reminds me too because this uh white fiat right the fiat uno now if if that was just an innocent car accident The person who drove that white Fiat would come forward and say, oh, my God, uh, you know, it was an accident. And and matter of fact, everyone says that Henri Paul drove into the Fiat, not the other way around Uh, in the the official story. Why wouldn't this person come forward and say, oh, my God, I I made a horrible accident here, you know?
1: Yeah, this
3: is absolutely right, Ed. And this is one of the aspects of the case as well, that there's these people that don't come forward. And uh, so, you know, it it just arouses – if you if you've got a Fiat that is definitely they know it was in the tunnel and uh, the the debris is there the, the 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 white paint is on the Mercedes so if 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 it's an innocent explanation then either the person would come forward or the police would have found the person uh, I mean it's not really that hard for the police to find that Fiat Uno uh, they never found it. Um,
2: yeah, that's true. How many of those Fiat Unos could there have been uh, all over uh, the, all of the whole country of France?
3: Yeah, well, there's quite a few. There's quite a few thousand. But the okay. thing is that there were, there were witness accounts. There were witness accounts of the uh, driver. There were, three, there were three witnesses that saw the driver and were able to give descriptions. And then there was, they also saw a large dog in the back of the car. Oh really? Yeah, and also all three of them saw the large dog, and that had a red bandana on, and uh, and there was also even two witnesses who saw the number plate of the um, Ferdinand. Now they didn't they didn't record the number plate obviously, but they they had recollections of the numbers they saw, you know. So so there was. I mean plus the C C T V footage of course, Yeah, so right. Got, I mean, if they really wanted to, to locate the Zuno you know, even without the guy coming forward. Um, it was a guy. The witnesses said it was a guy that, that without the guy coming forward, I mean, they could still do it. I mean, you know? It's just whether they had the will to do it and they obviously didn't. Um, so yeah. But, 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 I mean, the
2: fear in was found, but not by the police. Okay, uh, let's take a quick commercial break right now, and we'll be right back with more of uh, John Morgan, uh, the author of uh, Paris London Connection, The Assassination of Princess Diana, and also How They Murdered Princess Diana, The Shocking Truth. And we'll be right back in about three or <coughs> four minutes. <coughs> and now a word from our sponsors. We are listener-sponsored, and we appreciate your donations. If you like the show, please visit oppermanreport.com and click on the Donate button. Or you can donate directly through PayPal at oppermanreport at gmail.com. We have Mike Gray of infinityhomeplans.com. He's the host of Parlay over at CJ Mars Radio. There is evening's 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you need custom home designs, stock plans, or 3-D work, use your one-stop shop for home design and drafting needs. Mike Gray at (coughs) InfinityHomelands.com. If you're looking for essential oils, stop by and check out Essentially Tammy on Facebook. She is Young Living Essential Oils Independent Distributor. Now, these are 100% therapeutic-grade oils. They help support the body's natural functions. You can visit her website posted on Essentially Tammy uh, to see the current deals, or email at jocotami, J-O-C-A-T-A-M-I at yahoo.com, or call 352-239-8546, 352-239-8546. Hey, if you need a private investigator, go to my website, emailrevealer.com. We offer asset searches, locates, skip tracing, adoption investigations, online infidelity investigations. We can recover deleted text messages from a cell phone or trace an email to online dating websites to catch people cheating. That's emailrevealer.com, or you can call 800-572-9762, 800-572-9762, or emailrevealer.com, my PI website. Uh, Pacific West Bamboo, Uh, it's your premier source for construction and craft-grade bamboo poles. Uh, They're announcing their latest project with Ecohead Event Sanitation, making bamboo composting bathrooms and porta-potties. Their first display will be at the Lucidity Festival in Santa Yanez, California, April 11 to the 13th. Come by and say hi and see what you can build with bamboo. Contact them uh, for any kind of event planning, display building. If you need construction-grade or craft-grade bamboo products, uh, call Amanda at 503-839-8126. 503-839-8126 or visit PacificWestBamboo.com, their brand new website. Uh, We're also sponsored by the New World Mexican Women. Uh, This is a rural Mexican craft women's cooperative. (coughs) They're traditional makers of fine handcrafted, authentic jewelry. They use beautiful stone mosaics and Pacific blue Abilene inlay. Uh, They have a wonderful book of love letters written to their men in the United States, begging them to return to their families in Mexico. But they've written a new book, and it's uh, called, uh, it's about a young girl that falls in love with a rodeo bull rider and runs off with him without telling her family. It's a beautiful love story called Azukina Part One Azukina to the Rodeo. Uh, you can find their books <coughs> and jewelry by clicking on their banner ad at OppermanReport.com or by Googling New World Mexican Women. Uh, you can also promote your business or website right here and have your ad played all over the world seven days a week uh, by emailing oppermanreport at gmail.com or calling 800-572-9762. Okay, welcome back to the Opperman Report. I'm your host, private investigator Ed Opperman. We're here tonight with uh, John Morgan, the author of uh, How They Murdered Princess Diana, The Shocking Truth and Paris to London Connection, The Assassination of Princess Diana by John Morgan. A couple of things here. Uh, One of Doty, uh, not Doty, uh, Muhammad Fayed's uh, lawyers uh, said about this book, I have no doubt that the Diana inquest volumes written by John Morgan will come to be regarded as the magnum opus on the crash. Uh, and even uh, uh, Dodi Fayyad's father, Mohammed Al-Fayyad, uh, John Morgan has done more to expose the facts of this case than the police in France and Britain. And I would agree, both of these books are outstanding uh, and have a, a wealth of information. And anybody who's researching this case, you've got to get these books. There's no excuse not to. Uh, otherwise, you're just uh, watching YouTube and uh, uh, wasting your time. Uh, so, John, um, what do you think the motive was in, in all this? Uh, I, I hear a lot of different stuff. One is that she could have been pregnant. Another one was the stuff about the, uh, the landmines. Another one is the trip uh, to uh, Palestine. She was having an upcoming trip possibly to pa- Hey guys, I got a great new deal for you. It's called Factor. America's number one ready to eat meal delivery service. Now I want you to take out a pen and paper and write down Opperman 50 OPPERMAN50. Now Factor's delicious ready to eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes, you'll be ready with pre prepared, chef crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, Calorie Smart, Vegan Veggie, and more. Uh, there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition packed add ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Two-minute meals. Fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat wherever you are. Snacks, smoothies, and more. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout. And every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, upscale options done easily. Flexible for your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or schedule your deliveries anytime. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. So there's no prepping, no cooking, no cleanup needed. Now head to factormeals.com front slash Opperman50 and then you use code Opperman50 to get 50% off. That's code Opperman50 at factormeals.com front slash Opperman50, O-P-P-E-R-M-A-N-5-0 to get 50% off. What do you think the motive was? Yeah, well, I think there was a joke. I think uh,
3: then was certainly an issue that she um, was very strong, getting very strongly into. Uh, in January 97, she had done her trip to Angola been showing on uh, the t- TV uh, right around the world walking through the landmine fields. And uh, they had a huge uh, whenever she did anything like that. And then uh, and then she did something similar in um, Bosnia in August ninety seven, just a month she, later she died. You know? And uh, she, what happened is after the Angola trip in January, mm. a month after that in February, she received a, uh, a phone call threatening her with um, an accident. And that was a phone call from a very high uh, member of the government at the time. Uh, He was the minister of the armed forces, and uh, so uh, so that was a factor. Uh, The the landmines, I think, was clearly a a a reason, and it wasn't just that she was um, working against landmines that was that she was a humanitarian and she said this several times she was a humanitarian and when landmines came up and so she wouldn't have stopped at landmines. Uh, she would have been moving on to other women. So so the, the evidence also points to three major countries involved in the assassination. That's uh, the UK, France and the US. And those three countries are the three largest western arms dealing nations so so that, that's um, a factor and then the other factor I see is coming from the royals <coughs> um, and that's just basically she was just upsetting the royals one time again and so that and it increased uh, in November 1995 public um uh there's of what similar allegations were in the book but this time um it was on nationwide tv live tv across the uk and this went out to other channels around the world as well and so uh that that, that was on panorama bbc panorama november the 20th 1995 so that uh was just a continuation, but a a sort of strengthening of her position of sort of being prepared to go public to state her case, you know, and uh, she did have a strong case. I mean, she was abused by the royal family, so she had every reason to be upset. And she was upset and she wasn't the sort of person to take it all down, And uh, so, this is something that the is used to dealing with. So, anyway, after the you November know, like that's when the Queen brought on the divorce. She asked for the divorce in the early December. <coughs> and, uh, and then the divorce came through in August 1996. And then, sort of, you know, like th- things were sort of building up and. Uh, as she gets into 1997, she was uh, she, in June, in June 1997, she agreed, like uh, Muhammad Al-Fayed offered her a trip, uh, holiday.
2: Wait, let me ask you a question real quick. How long was she dating uh, Dodi Fayyad? Uh, only from, started about
3: late, late. Uh, July '97, so about sort of oh twenty, maybe uh, something around the twenty first of July '97. Uh, um, she she met him on the fourteenth at um, at the villa, at Muhammad's villa, um, and the fa- two families were there. The boys were there, and so so I suppose that they got to know each other a bit then, and then they started dating after that holiday concluded which was about the 20th of july so only about six weeks i think uh, they were dating but it was a relationship that moved quite quickly uh it was um and, and and the evidence is it's not i'm not just saying that the evidence is there that the relationship moved quickly and it's witness evidence there was one person after another that said that um, that the uh, that there was plan, plans for them to settle down in Malibu. So they'd already, by the time they got killed, they'd already, um, were making plans to for Diana to move to Malibu. That they had a house that Ahmed al had bought earlier that year. Uh, which was Julie Andrews' former home. And uh, so that, that's where they were preparing to live and they were also going to buy an apartment in Paris where they would be closer to the boys. So, that, so they'd be moving between the US and France. And then, the you know, the, um, so the, 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 it's very clear. The, the evidence is very clear on us. This was a relationship that was going somewhere and uh and uh, there also there was the issue of the engagement um there was an engagement ring you know and uh that ring was purchased the day in the afternoon before they died Um, and that was a ring that diana had shown uh, that she wanted so there's a there's a lot of um evidence there was evidence from people in the uk saying well they there was something they wanted to come back that they had talked on the phone with Dodie and diana and it was there was something that they wanted to share but they couldn't do it over the phone and uh when these people were asked well what do you think it was but generally they would say well it was probably that they were was going to be an engagement you know that but that's where that the evidence pointed to and then when the, when you see well, okay, there was a ring. There was an enga- it was actually called an engagement ring in the um invoice from the uh, Oh really. From, yeah, from Raposi's Jawless there's, there's a copy of that invoice in that How They Murdered book. And um the and in French it says engagement ring. So um you know people say, Oh well it wasn't worth that much, it was only so many thousand. But the thing is that maybe it was a romantic thing for diana you know maybe she had already been burnt badly in the marriage to charles and uh maybe she didn't marry for love you know you see the thing is that she didn't need money um so anyway that, that that that's where the evidence points that there was a relationship that was moving very quickly and one of the aspects behind that. Um, diana had repeated to several of her friends that she wanted to have a daughter and uh, she was her, her her clock was ticking I mean she was 36 so she might not have wanted to be mucking around uh, you know uh, if she if she came across someone that she really did love she may have been prepared to move things along quickly um, you know and that that certainly is where the evidence points that that there, it wasn't just that there was an engagement; they had the plans about living in Malibu. These these things were. Um, if you look at the evidence, and the evidence is in that book, and it's witness evidence from various people that were in the know, and the, the, that's where it pointed. So, uh, the, one of the things I think, going back to the um, the motives, was. Like the Wayahu group meeting that was the last one, and it was a special meeting. Normally, the Wayahu group met in January and September, and this particular meeting in 1997 was brought forward to July, and there's no reason being given for that. that no credible, re- or no reason at all, has been given for that. So, it was a special meeting in July, and that's when the article and the Sunday Mirror said. That Diana was top of the agenda now that was on July the 20th the meeting occurred on July the 23rd so the holiday um, like I said before uh, Muhammad invited Diana on a holiday in June early June it was about June the 3rd I think um, and she, she she agreed to that holiday so not just her but the boys William and Harry Go on the holiday. Now that that was a real sort of shot across the bows of um, the senior royals because Mohammed El Foyed they looked on as a person of ill repute. He he was a person who had just recently been involved in the cash for question scandal that helped to bring down the um, British Tory government, and that's when Tony Blair. Became leader in May 1997, so he swept to power, and part of the reason for that was because of Muhammad Al-Fayed's involvement and in, and in the Cash for Questions scandal. So, so he was really locked down on by British society. I mean, the the um, I'm talking about the upper echelons, um, and uh, the um, he had repeatedly asked. To become a British citizen and being repeatedly refused. Even those kids were British citizens. You know, it, it's, so there was a real sort of issue there with Mohammed Al-Fayed. So when Diana agreed to a holiday, but not just herself, but with the boys, then that was something. And uh, I believe that along with, she gave a major speech about landmines just within a few days of that um, agreement she didn't agree to go on holiday straight away um i She looked into and a week later she agreed and then thought of, she agreed i think it was about the 11th of um june the 12th of june there was a major speech she gave at the um i've forgotten the place it was some royal society in london but it was a huge speech about landmines and where she said that she was on a mission <coughs> and um and then um, the Wayhead Group meeting that sort of uh, was called for in July, and uh, that was the, the Wayhead Group meeting took place three days after the conclusion of the holiday. So, so you had the boys going away with Toyota, it was about um, the 10th of July uh, to, on the holiday, coming back on the 20th to London and then the way group meeting takes place on the 23rd so you know it's a circumstantial points because you're never going to get any one in the senior royals putting their hands up on this and also you're um, you're never going to be allowed to see the minutes of the meeting of the way group meeting um and even it is possible Discuss an issue like Diana and not included in the minutes. So you wouldn't, you just wouldn't um, no But there is the issue that the police were leaked, that Diana was top of the agenda. So but it's not the police, the media were leaked. So, so uh, no, I mean, there's a lot more evidence than what I'm telling you now it's in the book. But yeah. you've yeah. got to piece it all together, you know. You can't, and this is one of the things that the inquest, the judge always tried to separate everything. He would, something would come up. And he'd say, "Well, what's that got to do? With? What's that in the issue of things? So does that mean that she killed that Diana was murdered? You know, and, and each issue on its own doesn't mean that Diana was murdered, but it's when you piece the whole lot together
2: that you can see, okay,
3: this had to be an assassination."
2: Well, that, you were talking about the inquest, right? Why don't we go over some of the stuff that was held back that the uh, the jurors did not get to see at the inquest?
3: Yes. Well. That's right. That's very significant. Um, yeah. There was the number of the witnesses that were actually called. Like there were about, I think there's around about 250 witnesses that the um, jury heard from. But when you look at the lists of witnesses, there's actually another over 200 that they should have heard from that they didn't. So so there was an issue there with we'll evidence by not calling witnesses you know and then the other aspect is that uh, you've got like i said before they were shut out from the pageant report. and then there's issues around statements where um, you've got uh, <coughs> um, witnesses and these are, these are key witnesses Eyewitnesses to the crash—you know, people that were actually on the uh, expressway heading into the tunnel, people who were in the tunnel, and uh, on the tunnel and saw the, saw the crash. That these these witnesses gave evidence. Like the police, the French police started their investigation straight away, and they were interviewing witnesses in the first 48 hours. You know. Some witnesses gave evidence within the hours. Of the crash within a couple of hours but the uh but but the jury at the inquest were not shown these statements so you've had the so you've got the key initial statements made within hours or days of the crash being withheld from the jury and instead the 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 witness would be called this is 10 years you've got to realize the inquest took place in 2007 so it's 10 years after the crash and these witnesses are being called to the inquest, and their evidence is being heard. But the, the problem is it's a 10-year recall. So so the jury's hearing witnesses give evidence of something that occurred 10 years earlier, and yet this actual written statements that these people have signed stating what they saw at the time that the jury aren't allowed to see. And the jury, by the time it got to December, to be honest, the jury was starting to realise that what was going on. And they actually send a note to the judge, asking him, and this is in the transcript. The judge had to read out what the note said, and, and they were asking him to be able to see those statements. and And the judge said, "No, you cannot see the statements." So, so that was a huge issue. I mean be okay if it was only a couple of years later. with most inquests probably take place within a year or so? I mean, it's not so significant. But with a ten-year gap, and yet the witnesses' statements can't be viewed by the jury. I mean, it's just ridiculous. How, how can you get justice? You know, from you
2: know it's account? interesting too because you talk about how uh, the witness—not enough witnesses were shown—but really, the best witnesses the best eyewitnesses that knew who was in the car that was there on the scene who had cameras in their hand were these paparazzi guys who caught up to the scene of this car crash. And how many of those guys were arrested?
3: Yeah, well, that's right. Well, they, they, they were actually not witnesses to the crash. What happened was they, um, the paparazzi were there at the hotel. And, and the paparazzi are known. There's lists of who was there, and, and at the hotel, and uh, that they. Um, so they were at the Ritz Hotel. There was a plan that was arrived at to 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 um, leave the Ritz from the rear of the hotel. So there some that were some out the front. Some paparazzi in front. Some were out the, the rear. Right. So. So the ones at the front were at a disadvantage because the car left from the rear but the but anyway regardless of that the pavarazzi were riding scooters and um and in they were in small cars now the witness evidence from the people <coughs> who were along the route um they were overtaken by the mercedes says so states that there were several motorbikes that were surrounding this car, the Mercedes, so you, so there were, and, and these were big motorbikes, these were large motorbikes.
2: Wait, you, yeah. you know you know what, let me interrupt you, because we have to come to a break anyway, yeah. but uh, I was a little distracted when you were talking before. Now, when you said that there was a big dog in the white uh, Fiat, if this yeah. was a, a planned head, why would the guy bring a dog?
3: Well, why have a dog in the car? Yeah. If it was a planned head? Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> The guy um, who was—he's uh, dead. He 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 died in two thousand. But yeah, if you could ask him, it'd be an interesting
2: All right, because you think it was that the paparazzi guy. You think it was him?
3: Yeah. Oh, definitely it was him. Okay. Yeah, they, the, the witness accounts. Um, there were witness accounts of it. Sorry. Descriptions. Descriptions given, and he fits the description. You know that. But, but the.
2: Oh, maybe. Well, you know what, Uh, John, I can hardly hear you, but we have to take a break anyway for a commercial. So it's going to be a nice little five-minute commercial, and we'll be right back after this with more of John Morgan, uh, Paris to London Connection, The Assassination of Princess Diana, and also, too, uh, How They Murdered Princess Diana, The Shocking Truth, both excellent books, Uh, the real deal, guys. I I recommend these books 100%. Uh, We'll be right back after this. And now a word from our sponsors. We are listener-sponsored, and we appreciate your donations. If you like the show, please visit oppermanreport.com and click on the donate button, or you can donate directly through PayPal at oppermanreport at gmail.com. We have Mike Gray of infinityhomeplans.com. He's the host of Parlay over at CJ Mars Radio, Thursday evenings, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you need custom home designs, stock plans, or 3-D work, is your one-stop shop for home design and drafting needs. Mike Gray at infinityhomeplans.com If you're looking for essential oils, stop by and check out Essentially Tammy on Facebook. She is Young Living Essential Oils Independent distributor. These are 100% therapeutic-grade oils. They help support the body's natural functions. You can visit her website posted on Essentially Tammy uh, to see the current deals or email at jacotammy.com j-o-c-a-t-a-m-i at yahoo.com, or call 352-239-8546, 352-239-8546. Hey, if you need a private investigator, go to my website, emailrevealer.com. We offer asset searches, locates, skip tracing, adoption investigations. Online infidelity investigations. We can recover deleted text messages from a cell phone or trace an email from <coughs> online dating websites to catch people cheating. That's EmailRevealer.com, or you can call 800-572-9762, 800-572-9762, or EmailRevealer.com, my PI website. Uh, Pacific West Bamboo, Uh, it's your premier source for construction and craft grade bamboo poles. Uh, They're announcing their latest project with EcoHealth Event Sanitation, making bamboo composting bathrooms and porta-potties. Their first display will be at the Lucidity Festival in Santa Yanez, California, April 11th to the 13th. Come by and say hi and see what you can build with bamboo. Contact them uh, for any kind of event planning, display building. If you need construction-grade or craft-grade bamboo products, uh, call Amanda at 503-839-8126, 503-839-8126, or visit PacificWestBamboo.com, their brand-new website. Uh, We're also sponsored by the New World Mexican Women. Uh, This is a rural Mexican craft women's cooperative. Uh, They are traditional makers of fine handcrafted, authentic jewelry, stone mosaics, and the <coughs> <basic> blue Abilene <coughs> inlay. Uh, they, they have a wonderful book of love letters written wow. to their men in the United States, begging them to return to their families in Mexico. But they've written a new book, and it's uh, called. Uh, it's about a young girl that falls in love with a rodeo bull rider and runs off with him without telling her family. It's a beautiful love story called, called, called Azucena Part Wars. One: Azucena to the Rodeo. Uh, you can find their books and jewelry by clicking on their banner ad at OppermanReport.com or by Googling (coughs) New World Mexican Women. Uh, You can also promote your business or website right here and have your ad played all over the world seven days a week uh, by emailing opermanreport at gmail.com or calling 800-572-9762. The big, powerful motorbikes. Mm You've got to go back to
0: the big, powerful motorbikes. No, <coughs>
2: Okay, we are back with the Opperman Report. I am your host, private investigator, Ed Opperman. Uh, Don't forget, the show is brought to you by uh, Audible.com. You go to audibletrial.com front slash Report, and I sign up for free, get a free audio book, and it helps support the show. Uh, Don't forget also, too, I made a big announcement earlier tonight that uh, we have now um, a member section on the Opperman Report website. And we have all kinds of new shows and new content and interviews that I'm doing during the week on top of this live uh, Friday night show. Um, but in the meantime, to help get us off the ground, don't forget we're listener sponsored. You can donate to operandreport at gmail.com. And uh, you can, uh, we need sponsors too. If you want to advertise on the show, you can, uh, shoot me an email and we'll try that out. Okay, can trying to get some support that way. Okay, but we're back with John Morgan, from Australia. Uh, he's he's holding up pretty good. I hear you got a cough there, John. <laughs> you are not yeah. feeling too good?
3: <laughs> uh,
2: no, I'm okay. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. So where do we leave off? We left off. Um, this, there's so many different things in this whole crazy story. Yeah. Oh, no, no, right now, you think no, you're convinced though that the, the that was a, one of the paparazzi was in that white Fiat yeah well it wasn't
3: one of the paparazzi from that night right.
2: but what he was he was a paparazzi
3: that his name was james anderson and uh he followed diana uh closely during that summer uh down in the south of france she was on the uh on uh, Mohammed al-foyadjiot of Dodi. uh the jonical in the mediterranean and uh, he was part of the group of paparazzi that we're following her on that, and then he left that early. Um, he left that early. He left about the twenty seventh of August and headed back to his home, which was in central France. <clears throat> and so, uh, that's one of the things actually is why did he leave that early? That's one of the issues because he um, he was a very avid follower of Diana, and in fact. He wrote a note to his boss saying that this um, affair with Dodie is the biggest event in 50 years. So for them, so that that well, he didn't look on it as some minor issue. So he he's a very interesting character. But why did he leave um, three days before Diana left the south of France? in any way he did and uh so um yeah well the evidence the, the evidence putting him near there, there's various aspects to it but one of the main things obviously is the witnesses the three witnesses who saw the person in the car and gave descriptions and and those descriptions fit James Anderson and uh the uh so you know that's the that that's the main evidence. I mean, his uno also fits the descriptions of the uno. He had an old uno, um, which was um, the 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 one seen by the witnesses in the tunnel. Saw an old uno, and uh, the various there's various aspects to it. it gets very complicated, but the he he tried to have an alibi of doing a uh, photography shoot um, for a a famous person, and a famous French person in, um, I think it was in Corsica. And But if you look into the times, the time the flight left to go to Corsica, he was in Corsica, but it wasn't, the time was quite different to the time of the crash. So he could easily have done been involved in the crash. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying that James Anderson was, A person who um, wanted to get rid of Diana. Uh, That's uh, there are different issues here. Uh, All I'm what I'm saying is that Anderson had links to intelligence. There's clear evidence of that, and um, and and there's evidence that he was in the tunnel, and he's actually said to people he was in the tunnel afterwards. He had close friends that he told he had been in the tunnel,
2: and uh, so. Well, wait and then yeah. there's, there's, the not, there's the whole thing there's the whole thing there's the whole thing about him turning up dead <laughs> too, afterwards
3: but the issue is not that um he wanted to die in the dead there would be every reason for him not to want to die dead, because as i said he looked on that, that the relationship with daddy is the biggest thing in 50 years but the the issue is that he worked for intelligence, and intelligence. One of the things about intelligence is that you only get told information on a need-to-know basis. So he may have been told to, that he was involved in an operation, um, and he needed to have that fear you know, in that tunnel at that time. And, and the evidence shows that the UNO, the witnesses who said, "Oh, this UNO was moving very slowly as though he was waiting for something," you know. So. So he may have been told he just had to be there. So that, 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 that these guys get paid well to do this. Yeah, right, not something yeah. turned down. You know? like but Henry but Paul, also too, he was killed <laughs> himself. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And they don't know that. See, Henry Paul also wouldn't have wanted Diana dead. You know, he 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 wouldn't have known that he was going to die. He, he may well have been told, look, mate, if you do what we're asking you to do here, then you'll be protecting Diana from a possible attack. You right. Know? Yeah. He knows he's dealing with MI6 and DGSE, the French intelligence. So he knows that if anyone knows there's going to be some sort of attack or terrorist attack on Diana, then they would be the ones. So if they are telling him, okay, you're protecting Diana by doing what you're doing, then he's happy to do it and he gets paid for it as well, you know. And so Aniston may not have even known Diana was coming into the tunnel at that time. He might, he might not have known this. Was anything to do with Diana?
2: Okay. And, and yeah. One of the things Sorry. that people say who try and say, hey, this was just an accident, is they talk about how uh, there was no way an assassin could have known where they were going because they did take a strange route. They didn't take a direct route uh, from the, the Ritz to to the apartment. They took an – in fact, yeah. they went in the other direction at one point. They were going the opposite direction. So, So someone in that car, yeah. someone in the car had to have – Tipped off the assassins, or, or or been in on
3: it? Yeah, well, see, the issue there is that if you look at the maps, as maps in that book, right the, the, the they're not actually going in the opposite direction. What what happens is they they there's diff, there's two different routes. You can go you can you can go down um, through the Place to la Concorde and then turn right onto Champs Elysees. Now, most people, if you look at the map. The direct route is to do that. You'd go into the Place de la Concorde, turn right onto the Champs-Élysées, go up to the Arc de Triomphe, which is where Dodie's apartment was. Now, that's that's on the map. That's the one to use. On a Saturday night in Paris during the end of the holidays, that is not the route to use because what happens is the Champs-Élysées is clogged up later on a Saturday night. And so the, the, the they, call, they call this the chauffeur's route. And the chauffeur's, even the other car. There was two, there was a decoy car. The other car went the chauffeur's route as well. It wasn't just Diana's car. And and they were going to the apartment as well. And what the chauffeur's route was, go through the Place de la Concorde, instead of turning right at Champs Elysees, go straight ahead and then turn right onto the expressway. And the expressway is not clogged up, and you go straight through. And then and then, but, but the issue is. That when you're down on the expressway you go through the um the the pont alexandra tunnel uh alexander three tunnel and and you go through there and then there's an exit um off the expressway, and you have to take that exit to get to dodie's apartment and and that's what the chauffeur's route was you'd take that exit but what happened is that there was a witness in the alexander three tunnel who said i got overtaken by my and up to five large motorbikes um very powerful motorbikes that the uh and that were surrounding this mercedes and he said and he, and he, this witness said there was one particular motorbike that as they came through it 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 was there between the two cars so the mercedes overtook them and there was a motorbike parallel in, in, in the same so, so it was overtaking exactly the same time. So, so there are actually three vehicles at that point when, his, when he got overtaken, and then the other four motorbikes were um, also surrounding the Mercedes, either in front or behind. Now, he he saw as, as he saw them go off into the distance. He saw that motorbike on the right that stayed there, It uh, stayed on the right, and 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 the, the evidence indicates that the Mercedes couldn't take that exit because of that motorbike. The motorbike was stopping, preventing the Mercedes from taking the exit. And uh, and there, there were the other pressure from the other motorbikes as well, of course. So basically, they were guiding the Mercedes into the tunnel. So even though, okay, the tunnel isn't on the route, the so the chauffeur's route, you'd take that exit off, off the expressway. The, the Mercedes was actually forced into going into the tunnel. So once the, the exit's missed, then you have to go through the Alma Tunnel. And then there's another way to get back to the apartment, but it's a very convoluted route. And obviously not one you'd take by voluntarily, you know. So that, that that's what happens if you put the witness evidence together. Um, the the reality is that the Mercedes could not take that exit. <coughs> and uh, so these motorbikes, the, these Powerful motorbikes that the witnesses saw and, and he he was one witness or other witnesses that saw it, particularly as it got closer to the tunnel. you've got one witness saying it was like a like a swarm of bees around the mercedes
2: now, that, did, uh, now did they talk the about motorbike. did they talk about the motorcycles at the inquest? Did this come out in any of these investigations
3: yeah yeah they the, the motorcycles definitely came up at the inquest because the witnesses were talking about them, and um so yeah, the the uh, I mean, the judge tried to sort of steer things towards. Okay, the paparazzi were right up there um, with the um, with the Mercedes, and this is the this is the myth really right. that that these these and this is the way. This is a pre-planned operation, and one of the issues is that the media were part, the paparazzi were part of the planning, like that they weren't involved with the planning, but they were they were part of the way the intelligence planned us because they had to have the paparazzi there to take the blame for the crash. So so the paparazzi were there at the hotel and then they followed the Mercedes as it left the hotel, but as I said, somewhere out the front. But they still caught up with the Mercedes. So by the time Mercedes was at the Place de la Concorde, sitting at the lights, the red lights there, the, the paparazzi were catching up. Um, like the, the ones that had been there at the rear of the hotel it was no speed at that stage they just followed the Mercedes like an ordinary trip and um, the ones that had came from the front of the hotel caught up at the place de la Concorde and so these guys as I said they were on scooters and in small cars but they were there they were there at the place de la Concorde and then and then what happened is um, there was there, there were photos being flashed. And, and this Mercedes that they went in, as I said, it was a decoy, so it wasn't the main Mercedes that they'd been travelling in through the day. It had untinted windows.
2: So, Oh, they put them in a car that didn't have window tints. Yes, had
3: untinted windows. And so right. the witnesses, witnesses saw photos being taken, flashes being taken, and that would have been very confronting. Um, one, one witness was stand, was sitting right near... The Mercedes at the Place de la Concorde lights, and he said there was a there was a a, a pillion on a motorbike um, taking pictures straight in, just continuously taking pictures straight in the back of the Mercedes. He said you could see Diana cowering and um, and Dodi trying to avoid the camera, you know, and uh, so so this was pressuring Henry Paul, the driver of the Mercedes, because because he had to get away from that sort of situation. And so they, once they left the lights at the place of the contoured, it became a chase. And what happened is um, th- at some point there, these larger motorbikes joined the um, joined the chase, and they were right up there with the Mercedes. The, the, the scooters and the small cars driven by the um, driven by the paparazzi fell well behind. And but these large motorbikes that were driven by written by people I call the fake paparazzi. So they were made to look like paparazzi. They had flash cameras. They were taking photos, right. you know? And, and so witnesses who saw these motorbikes surrounding the Mercedes as it went into the tunnel said, oh, there were flashes. There were photos being taken. And um, so it was made to look as though the paparazzi drove the couple to their death.
2: And, and then the, the, the real paparazzi oh. were arrested at the scene and they yes. have, they have hundreds and hundreds of pictures that they took of this scene, and yes. and, and they're all sealed.
3: Yeah, that's right. And um, they they were arrested at twelve forty. So the crash occurred at twelve twenty three, and they arrested at twelve forty. And twelve forty, by some coincidence, is exactly the time the ambulance arrived. So so the paparazzi arrested, put into a van, and taken out of the tunnel just as the ambulance was arriving. Um, And uh, so there was no paparazzi footage of of the doctors from the ambulance, or the people from the ambulance did. And
2: and that's Uh, when it gets really suspicious too, uh, is I I think it's just so incriminating, uh, the amount of time it took to get her out of the car, get her into the ambulance, and then get the ambulance to, to travel three miles. So why don't you tell us that story?
0: more than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: Yeah, well, even, even on top of that, the time it took the ambulance to get to the tunnel the, the accident occurred at 12:23. People on mobile phones ringing Samu, which is the ambulance base, um, which is only about—it's less than three. Kilo, I think it's less than three kilometres. Definitely less than three miles from the from the crash scene. Uh, the, um, the the so the, these people are on their mobile phones in the tunnel, ringing the base, ringing Samu you ringing the emergency number, getting the Sami base, and saying there's a crash in the uh, the serious crash in the Elmer Tunnel. You know, so the ambulance left. The evidence indicates about 12:27 left the base. So it took the ambulance 13 minutes to cover a distance of about less than three miles. I think it's 2.3 kilometres. It's a short distance, and uh, you, you work it out. They're travelling at about 11 kilometres an hour. Get to the scene. So this is an ambulance. Like, like we have visions. Okay, an ambulance is called to a scene. They rush to the scene. Well, right. this ambulance didn't. So I'd say it, it did go fast, but it stopped. I, I'd say for some reason it stopped um, for instructions, possibly. You know, there's some reason. There's some reason it took 13 minutes to get to that crash scene. And anyway, yeah, as you say, there were big delays, and um, that was only the start of the delays. Uh, the, that like the um it took that she didn't get out of the car and she was not trapped in the car. Diana was not trapped. you can see that photo that you referred to in the in the um book that the photo shows her uh basically her position was that she she wasn't wearing a seatbelt, and there's a reason why she wasn't because she always wore a seatbelt. and um she wasn't wearing a seatbelt she swung. 180 degrees in the um during the crash so so it was a huge impact crash i mean you're talking about 60 mile an hour into a concrete pillar and uh, so her body swung 180 degrees the mercedes is a strong car um the what happened is the two people on the um driver's side died instantly and they, and they two people on the driver's side by henry paul and um, Dodie Fayette, who was in the back. And then the two people on the passenger side, Trevor East Jones in the front, who was in much worse condition than Diana on the, the night. Right, he's covered in blood. He's still alive. And Diana survived the crash. And her, her, her um, body did a 180-degree spin on the impact, and uh, she ended up uh, with, on the floor of the... On the floor of the Mercedes, with her back against the rear of the front, the the back of the front seat, and uh, her legs up on the back seat. So, so she was not trapped. You look at the back of the car. There's photos of the back of the Mercedes before they ripped the roof off. I I mean, I'm talking. After they ripped the roof off, it looks like a total wipeout in the back. But before that happened, if you look at any photos of the Mercedes, the rear of the Mercedes untouched. The rear of the Mercedes is untouched, and that door operated perfectly, um, that, that door t- to open open up to where Diana was. Yeah, but, and, but um, she, couldn't,
2: she couldn't wear her seatbelt because it was defective that night. It was jammed.
3: Yeah, that's right. What, what happened is, yeah, there's evidence in the page report, which was said the jury went out to see, that shows that um, from the inspection, the vehicle inspection that was carried out in the UK, uh, that the there was a jamming on the um on the on the right, um, seatbelt which is where she was sitting and uh the the, the um so yeah so so and and ev- every witness and it's common sense really because every witness who knew about Diana's habits said that she always wore a seatbelt always not only that not only would she wear a seatbelt but she would tell people that were in the car with her to wear a seatbelt. So, you know, she was a very strong seatbelt user. So now even
2: though- Dodie was
3: as well, also wasn't wearing
2: a seatbelt. So even though that, that back door operated fine, they were able to get the door open and there was a doctor that showed up that was leaning over to the guy next to her. And, uh, but still they didn't get her out of that car for 37 minutes. Yeah. That,
3: that. Yeah, they they got her out of the car thirty-seven minutes, That's right. Yeah, to one o'clock, and um, yeah, the the emergency. There was an emergency doctor who rolled up about a minute and a half of the crash, and
2: uh, he he's a
3: very suspicious person. Um, oh really, Doctor Frederick Malles. Yeah, he he was he was um, passing. He was he was coming home from a party. He said, and uh, he was passing the scene. Uh, there to control the scene. So so if you've got an emergency doctor there, well then who else can intervene? Even if a GP turns up he can't because there's a, there's a qualified emergency doctor right. already at the scene. And um, he, he was there, you know, and, and yet the evidence he's given, like he, he said, oh no, I didn't even know it was Diana. And, and yet, you know, the, he's being told to speak in English to the person he's he said, I didn't know, I was dying until the next morning. Um, and yet there was a witness who gave sworn evidence at the inquest that said, as soon as I saw the car, because uh, he, was, he was driving an um, emergency car, uh, medical car with a flashlight on it, um, he, this witness said, as soon as I saw that car arrive, which was, like I said, a minute and a half after the crash, he said, I went over to the car. I said, "Look, it's Princess Diana in the car. What can you do?" You know. Mm. And the guy replied that the Frederick Male the doctor. Replied, "She'll be treated just like any other person." So. So and yet, later he he said, "I didn't even know it was Diana," and uh, the the and he's consistently kept to that. Um, so so. Yeah, I watched, an inter-
2: I, I watched him interview today, I watched a clip of him today, and did, didn't he also drive, as he left, because he, he left after the ambulances started showing up, didn't he drive past the Ritz on the way home?
3: That's right, he did. He had a, he had a friend with him, um, and he, he the friend's evidence was interesting. He, he was very shocked and stunned, and he, um, he, he said some interesting things at the inquest that indicated there was more going on of the situation and what it appeared, you know?
2: Yeah. Didn't and, they say uh, that they got out of there? Cause there was a lot of strange stuff going on.
3: Yeah. Well, you get, what happened is male as soon as see what, what happened is male is a qualified emergency doctor. Right. Um. Who, who, who had worked for Sami for a few years, you know? And so he, he's, he's dealing with accidents around, um, Paris and, um, is he's got experience, you know. And so what happened is he rolled up really quickly and then he took control of the of, of Diana. He took control of Diana. That's what happened. Even though Trevor S. Jones was in much worse condition, he said that. He, he went to the female in the back. He called her the female in the back and he took care of her. Now, um, the so, so what happened is he was there until the um what happened to the fire brigade ambulances rolled up five minutes after the crash so not the samu ambulance which actually took diana away but the fire brigade ambulances they rolled up much quicker than the samu and um they they somehow they, they said we had to wait like they were asked to increase something about what they did and they said well we had to wait they did some things but only very superficial and then they said we had to wait until the uh Samu arrived before anything more could be done with diana you know and so that they obviously had instructions that they had to wait for that special ambulance which was dr martino and anyway going back to male is was the initial emergency doctor on the scene until the five minutes when the um when the fire brigade ambulance two of them arrived two ambulances arrived this was at about um 1228 i think and um anyway as soon as they arrived even though there was no doctor on board these fire brigade ambulances malice immediately handed over to the fire brigade and said and and said i'm going, i'm off he, he cleared out immediately they, they said he rushed off you know and and yet those guys were not doctors. So you had an emergency doctor handing over to medics on the fire brigade and um, clearing out instead of waiting for a full doctor to arrive, which was with and, uh, so. And so the question is, why didn't he stay? I mean, he was the most qualified person on the scene, but he couldn't wait to get out of there sort of thing, you know? He was anxious to leave, and that's what his friend said too. He said oh, he left very quickly, and and as you say, they went via the rips. Yeah. So, they went the rips, so why look at the rips? And then, you know, and, and and then went home.
2: <clears throat> now, what about another one of the uh, the funny business in this thing is um, how they say that uh, Henry Paul was uh, <clears throat> drunk. <clears throat> In fact, they claim that he had three times the legal limit for France. Do you, do you know what the legal limit, the blood alcohol level is in France for drunk driving?
3: Yeah, 0.5.
2: 0.5, 0.5. really? I thought that would be higher over there. In uh, the U.S. here, it's 0.8. Okay. I'll be sure not to drive in France, okay. But let me ask you this, man. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if it's, I think I'm over point five right now. I think I wake up at over 0.5. But the thing I'll is. i
3: like, in Aussie as well.
2: Yeah, right. What is it in Aussie? Yeah. What is that, it over there? Uh, sorry. What's the blood alcohol level in, in Australia? Point 0.5. Yeah. Point 0.5, really? Okay, well, here it's yeah. point 0.8. Okay. All right, so, <laughs> point, point, so then he was uh, 0.15. Uh, uh, no, he
3: was, he was 1.74. Um, oh, so
2: 1.74. Okay, 1.74 is huge. Okay, that's a lot. Okay. Well, over, yeah, yeah, drunk, yeah. Yeah, I that would be you. falling down drunk. You couldn't. I don't even think you can even stand up. I don't think I could. Yeah, uh, I
3: don't know. It depends on how good you are. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm, I'm getting messages already. People telling me to shut up. Okay. <laughs> but okay. But so. But he would have had to be falling down drunk if he was three times point uh, five. Okay, that's ridiculous. Um, well, it's not just uh, that, isn't they-
3: evidence that shows that he was three times over the limit is from the autopsy So there was an autopsy conducted sort of crash occurred about 12 30 autopsy was conducted later that morning um, and uh, the the autopsy concluded that he had three t- the, the, the sorry the testing from the autopsy, So samples were taken and then the testing the toxicology testing from the autopsy decided what the decision was that from that testing he was over three times so um 1.73 one was 1.87 so there were different readings but they're all very clearly drunk and it was more than that because the testing also revealed that he had 20.7 percent carbon monoxide now if you mix the 20.7 carbon monoxide with the 1.74 um uh, blood alcohol, then you've got a person, as you say, that they, they not just wouldn't be able to walk, they basically would have huge headaches, they so wouldn't be able to move virtually. You know, they'd be really, really in severely restricted um, situations. So, so the evidence of Henry Paul is the witness evidence from the hotel just before they left and also the CCTV that we do have that was from the hotel, substantial CCTV. And um, that evidence, and also experts that witnessed the CCTV, that evidence shows that he was not drunk. So that he he couldn't have had 1.74, and he also couldn't be the same person that had the 20.7%. So unless the 20.7% carbon monoxide came in after they left the hotel, so that was put forward that it came from the um, the, uh, the this this uh, I've forgotten the term now, where they you protected you know from a crash um, airbags. airbags. Oh, that that the, the car, there were some people that put forward that the carbon monoxide came from the airbags, but the Mercedes said, "Well, no, no." That can't be right. There's no carbon monoxide in our airbag. So, so where does this? This is a huge conflict that you've got between the autopsy results and the actual evidence of Henry Paul on the night. And um, so, there's no evidence. That there's no you did have a couple at the hotel. That was it. And uh, so, so, so what?
2: So you know what's this about? And, but and but not, even the 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 ruling of this in the US, we call it the coroner's inquest. Uh, and, and the ruling was not that he was a, a drunk driver. Was it?
3: Uh, no. Um, at the inquest, the, the verdict from the inquest was, well, the, the verdict from the inquest was that he was that that drink, had, he, there was an influence of drink, and that Henry Paul was um, culpable. Okay. But but they also found that the following vehicles were culpable. So the, the jury, the jury found the following vehicles also guilty of um, unlawful killing. Um, so so yeah, but but see the thing is that it was pushed at the inquest. It was pushed at the inquest that Henry Paul was drunk, even though you had all this conflict of evidence. The the judge was pushing it that he was drunk. and um, In the end, the jury must have agreed that the drink influenced his um, ability to drive. Now, the the actual, when you look at the way the autopsy was conducted, and this is the issue here, the only evidence supporting Henry Ford being drunk is from the autopsy. So then you've got to say, well, so how was this autopsy? because it doesn't match with the other evidence and um and the autopsy when you look at the was conducted, there's two sets of documents for the same autopsy same person and yet the documents show different samples being taken there's, there's different there's a there's two different heights for the same body two different weights for the same body um Real. and yeah and, and and that's in documentary evidence which um there's copies of in my books um, of the documents that show this, and uh, so so then the evidence indicates, and there's lots of other facts in this, that indicate two bodies. There's actually two bodies. So what happened is we have got Henry Paul's body, which was in the autopsy, and then there's an, and the other body belongs to a person who um, died in a uh, fire. Um, the, the, the 20.7 carbon monoxide, people say, oh, no, you must be exhaust. They, 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 they've committed suicide with the exhaust in the car. Wow. But the, the reality is, when you study this, that only, you have to have 50% to die from that. 50% carbon monoxide, but there was only 20.7% carbon monoxide. And the evidence indicates that the person died in a fire from smoke inhalation and And, uh the the the, also if you study deaths and fires um a lot of them are a lot of people who die in fires are intoxicated because they just can't get out and so so that was the combination of the drinking uh, carbon monoxide Mm -hmm. but so you got a second body there so so the first body Henry Paul's samples are taken from it the samples are also taken from the second body Now the testing for the blood alcohol concentration and the other testing is done from the samples taken from the second body. And then the testing of the um, DNA, which years later, years later DNA tests were done, they used the blood from Henry Paul to do the DNA testing. But there was never a situation where the, the blood that was DNA tested was was. So, uh, and, and likewise, the blood alcohol blood was never DNA tested.
2: Let so, me ask you this: uh we're kind of taking a different turn. What about the the other bodyguard in the car who survived? Where is he today? does anybody ever talked to him? What's going on with him?
3: Yeah, well, he's got amnesia. So, so he he's got a situation where it's a medical thing where you can have a traumatic incident occur. And you can't remember anything that happens around it. Yeah. And um, and whether he's got it or not, that's why he says he's gone. And so um, there is evidence that that may not be the case. But anyway, he's still alive, and he's um, and he, he's alive because maybe because he's got amnesia, or exactly. maybe because he's pretending to have amnesia. I'm not sure. What it is, I haven't studied that aspect of it yet, but I'm hoping to if I do another volume. But the um, the the uh, the reality is that he has basically not contributed anything information because he can't remember what happened.
2: Wow, poor guy. Okay, okay. Now, and now the other guy, the uh, the paparazzi guy who drove, who had the Fiat. Uh, <coughs> Uh, did anybody ever track him down and, and look at his Fiat Uno to see if there was any damage to it?
3: Yes, that's right. Um, yeah, what happened is
2: Mohammed Al Fayed set up an investigation.
3: Yeah. Um, straight after the crash. And he had guys looking around France for a um, Fiat Uno. Now, it wasn't that hard to find it because, because um, you know, there was no one that was a paparazzi interest. And uh and even straight after the crash they were saying, Well the paparazzi did this, you know. And so why not look at the Fiadinos owned by paparazzi? So uh, that's exactly what the Hidalgo team did. And uh, they found this Fiorino, and they they found it at they found it in a cell yeah you know, motor vehicle dealer sale yard. So this is one of the things of course is that this vehicle was sold by James Anderson um, less than two months after the crash. So that's another factor.
2: Well, with that, wait, but that should make it easier, though. If it got sold into somebody else's hands, you track down that sale, and then you go find them where the car is and go look at it.
3: Yeah, but you mean easier for the police
2: to find No, easier for Fayed's guys. Mohammed uh, <laughs> Al-Fayed has a billion dollars. He can hire his own... Uh... <laughs> he didn't find it too hard to find
3: it. That's right. The police got a he found it. And then he told the police about it. He said, oh, well, there's a fair owner here owned by James Anderson, that's, you know, you guys need to be looking at this. And so James Anderson then received warnings that the police would be interviewing him. So so the police were trying to avoid interviewing him. But once Muhammad had found this vehicle, then they were forced into interviewing James Anderson. Right. But, but they made sure that he received warnings um, that warnings that there was an interview upcoming, and uh, so that's what happened. The, the police did interview him, and they also interviewed his wife and his son. <coughs> so, but, but it was down to it was down to Mohammed Al Fayed's team finding it. And uh, when you when you study the evidence uh, and piece it all together, James Anderson is the man. Um, who was there um, he's called he he is an assassin from that point of view but you know the assassins really are the motorbikes the guys on the motorbikes they are the main assassin the Uno played a role because see when the when when the mercedes got into the tunnel it was surrounded by these motorbikes now one of the motorbikes was particularly critical witnesses to overtake Mercedes on the left as it was entering the tunnel, and that powerful motorbike had a pillion on it. That motorbike cut in front of the Mercedes. Now, as the Mercedes entered into the tunnel, Henry Paul saw it, the white Fiat Uno. So he, so the white Fiat was straddling the two lanes by that at that point. So he was, so so, so the Mercedes was forced between the motorbike overtaking on the left. And the white Fiat on his right, and he ended up hitting the Fiat uh, sort of sliding along the side of it. And uh, the motorbike got in front, and it's the motorbike that it's from the rear of the motorbike that the flash, the witnesses sort of flash, and it was a bright flash in the eyes of the um, driver of the Mercedes. And two witnesses, th- sorry, three witnesses sort of flash. Two were. They all were in a line all the witnesses who saw the flash were in a line with the mercedes two of them were in front one was behind but they all witnessed the flash and uh the the um from that point from the point where the flash went off a bright flash the uh, mercedes lost control and it zigzagged, and it, and it eventually hit the pillar 13th pillar
2: you know, then, what, then what do you make of this? Uh, the story just came out recently, where, where the mother-in-law of this SAS soldier, uh, she sends a letter to his uh, officer, saying that uh, you know he was involved in this uh, assassination. What, what do you make of that whole story? It seems to have come and gone.
3: Yeah, yeah, came and went because the police um, said they'd investigate it, and they did, and then they produced a report a few days before Christmas in 2013. Um, stating that was nothing suspicious. Now, the SAS—that's the first really credible evidence of direct SAS involvement. Um, but there's circumstantial evidence, from the point of view that uh, when you study the way MI six operate, and this was an MI six um, operation, that when you study the way MI six—but when I say MI six, it was an MI six operation helped along by French intelligence. And also the CIA, but the but the um, the way the MI6 operate, they use um, that they don't the, the MI6 officers don't do the work themselves. You know they use agents like Henry Poole and like James Anderson, um, and but they also um, use the SAS. So if there's an operation that involves a few people that that needs to be carried out then they will employ SAS elite uh, soldiers to carry that out. So, so that, that it would make sense, and this came up at the inquest, it makes sense that, that you could have those group of mobiles ridden by SAS. Right. And, um, so so when, when the 2013, which is five years after the inquest, uh, when that came up, the soldier, soldier in it was and, and, it was like, it gave evidence and, and her evidence was read in the newspapers but it was not admitted to by the police. Um, the, her evidence indicated that the, the people riding the motorbikes sh- were SAS and the flash came from an SAS soldier. Now that, 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 that's perfectly credible that it makes sense and the fact that that came out this is what happens isn't it? you know and eventually people talk right and um, so you now whether it's on their deathbed or wherever, at some point some people will talk because there's a lot of people who ha- who had to be involved in this in various ways not knowing not knowing what they were doing you know even motorbikes. So them who knows what they knew but the um the thing is, it's need to know, so people involved have information on the need to know
2: basis. And uh, yeah, but w- once you get to inside that ambulance and they're stopping, you know, uh, for five minutes, fifteen minutes before, if they stop twice, you know, and they're stopping right before they get to the hospital, once you're in that ambulance, it's no longer need to know. You, you know what's happening in there. Uh, you know what I mean? Now, you also said too that there was some kind of a, a, a there's some transcripts of conversations between the ambulance and the hotel that's very incriminating. That's
3: right, yeah. yeah the ambulance guys,
2: they are the real assassin,
3: yeah. you know, they are yeah. the ones who were right there in the ambulance, and that it was their job to make sure that she wasn't going to survive that night, so this is effectively a backup plan because the the okay, you've got the plan to kill the person in the car crash now you can't guarantee that's going to see you, you cannot you cannot guarantee. So even though the car drove into a pillow, it was a Mercedes. And so you couldn't guarantee that that would kill Diana. And it didn't. Right. And she came out in reasonably good condition. Like on a Glasgow Coma rating, which is a rating they use around the world to analyse the heads of people in car crashes, she came out 14 out of 15 in the initial assessment. So that's high. You know, that's really high. And uh, so she wasn't, her, her life was not at immediate risk. So, so in the ambulance, the, um, yeah, you can see from what the way they did things like, like the big delays, one hour, 43 minutes to get to the hospital. Um, you've got, you know, like you say, the transcripts of the conversations between the ambulance and the base. And these are really critical to understanding what happened. And, and um, there's the, the, the issues like um, like after Diana's inside the ambulance, so one o'clock, she's inside the ambulance at 106, one o'clock out of the car, 106 in the ambulance. And so they, that's standard to undress the patient and analyse their situation. Now, noted in the notes is that there was a thoracic trauma. that They, they noted that from that initial examination, a thoracic trauma. Now, later on, on when, when the uh, doctor is talking, there's two doctors in the ambulance um, when, when the second doctor Dr. De Rossi Dr. Martino and Dr. De Rossi Dr. Martino was directly dealing with the Dr. De Rossi was, was um, doing other stuff and calling the base and that sort of thing and uh, Dr. De Rossi stated to the base uh, nothing for the forex and he oh, said no. that twice in the transcript. So, so you've got thoracic trauma noted, and it's obvious that um, it be a thoracic trauma, um, because of the speed of the car crash and the fact she wasn't wearing a seatbelt. And sure enough, there was, and it was noted. And it was noted when she got into the hospital um, So, why is it that you've got a doctor saying twice to the base, nothing for the Forex? So why, why have you got a doctor saying anything about nothings that they should be talking about what is going on you know what is wrong with this patient they should be telling the base what the problems are so that the, when the base calls the hospital they can make sure the right specialists are on hand to deal with whatever needs to be dealt with. So instead of that you've got the exact opposite you've got nothing for the forex being told to the base. So that what that does is absolutely ensuring that there'll be no cardiothoracic specialist there at the hospital when when the ambulance arrives
2: uh-huh. within the
3: night, the night, you know. And so that's what happened. So when the ambulance arrived, <coughs> the um, cardiothoracic surgeon was at home in bed. And so the hospital immediately realised that they needed him, and they rang him up, but. You know, like you said before, there was a five-minute stoppage as well. uh, When you look at the various things that went on, Um, one of them talking about before the stoppage, one of the things was they knew there was a thoracic trauma and yet they poured in these catecholamines to increase the blood pressure. Well, that can increase the blood pressure. Her blood pressure was not such that you wouldn't just take her to hospital. It was 70 and... At the inquest, the, the, the specialist expert said, "Look, you take her to hospital, you know, um, and the nature of her injuries was had to be dealt with in hospital. There were injuries inside, and uh, and there were internal injuries, and so the thoracic trauma um, could only if it if it led to an injury inside, which is every reason these doctors know this." There's every reason to think that that could cause a trauma of that nature, in a high-speed crash could cause a tear in an artery, which is exactly what happened in Diana's case. There was a torn um, artery and uh, pulmonary vein. Sorry. uh, Vein. um, So, so they had every reason to believe it could be, and yet they poured in these catecholamines for the whole time before they got her to hospital. And all they were doing was increasing the blood pressure, but increasing the pressure of the torn vein. And so that would have helped precipitate her death as well. And uh, so when you come to the stoppage, um, (coughs) um, the the ambulance stopped for five minutes, and and the, the stoppage occurred within sight of the hospital gates. So it was within 500 yards of the hospital gates. They stopped the ambulance for five minutes. Now, they've never, the doctors inside, never provided a credible explanation for that. Dr Martino said that he stopped it because he thought there could be a cardiac arrest coming up and he increased her fluids. That's all he did, according to Dr Martino. Now, there were two journalists because this was some time after the Paparazzi were arrested. Of course, they were arrested at 12.40. The, um, the, the Amnesty didn't leave the tunnel till um, one forty one, so an hour later. So by that time journalists had arrived and uh, two journalists followed the ambulance and they witnessed a doctor get out of the front of the ambulance into the back. That was the second. And uh, they also witnessed a rocking ambulance during the five-minute stoppage. So th- th- at the inquest, <coughs> at the inquest, the doctor Martino said that the, there was no cardiac massage that occurred during that stoppage. So, so what's causing the rocking ambulance? And uh, there's no explanation for that. And so, no explanation
2: of was the stoppage. and, and once mean, they got and, to the hospital, she died six minutes later. This
3: is right. So the, the timing, see the time of death is officially put down at 4 o'clock. But that's only after maybe two hours of trying to resuscitate her. What actually happened, if you look at the evidence of what the doctors and nurses said, was that her breathing stopped at 2.12. So that's six minutes after she arrived at 2.06. And then her breath never recovered. They spent the whole time trying to, tried to do an operation to fix up the pulmonary vein, and uh, that was it. And and um, so if you go back to 212, then yeah, so six minutes so, so that one hour and 43 minutes to get to the hospital, and then six minutes before she dies. Amazing. So Places far more focus on what happened during the five minutes.
2: Okay, uh, uh, John Morgan, um, we're down to like the last two minutes, and then we're going to be dropping a couple of stations, but we'll still be live on Awake Radio, the whole all over the UK and Ireland, all kind of stuff like that. Um, do, but we're going to be dropping a couple of big stations. Do you want to you want to leave people with how they can find your book and how they can find your website and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, well,
3: the website is um, okay. www. Princess Diana Death The Evidence dot Weebly W E B O Y That's the website. Um, the books are available online really. Um, the pretty much most of the online stores I think um Amazon's bought the they seem to have them very well us there. Uh, the
1: yeah
2: the well this yeah okay well i have a link to the books on my blog the Opperman report blog and also yeah, to i have a link to your your website as well uh, on that blog post tonight's blog post so we'll be saying good night tonight to uh, um uh talk superstation and also to uh, PSN, thank you, Angel, for helping out with some uh, pr- uh, producing tonight for me. Thank you very much, my friend. And uh, we'll be back with you guys next week. Next week we have um, uh, next week. Oh, we have a really good guy, a guy who an FBI agent who infiltrated Nambla. So that's coming on next week on PSN and Talk Superstation. Good night, guys. I'll talk to you next week. But we're still here with um, uh, um, John Morgan. Uh, We'll be taking a commercial break, and John, can you stay and take some phone calls? Yeah, no worries. Yeah. Oh, great. Thank you very much, man. Because You sound like you're coughing away over there, man. I tell you. Okay. But we'll be back with more of John Morgan, uh, the author of uh, (coughs) How They Murdered Princess Diana, The Shocking Truth, and Paris-London Connection, uh, The Assassination of Princess Diana, both incredible books uh, for any serious researcher. uh, Go to the Opperman Report blog. And uh, click on the links and order these books. Let me tell you something. This the, they have maps, there's pictures, there's notes, uh, witnesses that weren't. Uh, everything's in here, guys. And I, I endorse this 100%. This is, thank you very much, John, by the way, for sending me these books. Um, it, oh. It's been a real eye-opener. So we'll, we'll be right back after these messages uh, from our sponsors. With the after show, we'll take calls, 702-605-4894. The number is seven oh two six oh five four eight nine four, or you can Skype me at Ed. Arberman. We'll be right back after these messages.
3: Yeah. Oh.
2: And now a word from our sponsors. We are listener-sponsored, and we appreciate your donations. If you like the show, please visit oppermanreport.com and click on the Donate button, or you can donate directly through PayPal at oppermanreport Uh at gmail.com. We have Mike Gray of infinityhomeplans.com. He's the host of Parlay over at CJ Mars Radio.
1: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Standard time.
2: If you need custom home designs, stock plans, or 3D work, go <coughs> a one-stop shop for home design and drafting needs. Mike Gray at infinityhomeplans.com. If you're looking for essential oils, stop by and check out Essentially Tammy on Facebook. She is Young Living Essential Oils Independent distributor. These are 100% therapeutic grade oils. They help support the body's natural functions. You can visit her website posted on essentially Tammy, uh, to see the current deals or email at Jocko Tammy, J O C A T A M I at yahoo.com or call three, five, two, two, three, nine, eight, five, four, six, three, five, two, two, three, nine, eight, five, four, six. Hey, if you need a private <coughs> investigator, go to my website emailrevealer.com uh, we offer asset searches locates skip tracing adoption investigations online infidelity investigations we can recover deleted text messages from a cell phone or trace an email to online dating websites to catch people cheating that's emailrevealer.com or you can call 800-572-9762 800 572 9762, for email, revealer.com, my PI website. Uh, Pacific West Bamboo, uh, it's your premier source for construction and craft-grade bamboo poles. Uh, They're announcing their latest project with (coughs) Ecohead Event Sanitation, making bamboo composting bathrooms and porta-potties. Their first display will be at the Lucidity Festival in Santa Yanez, California, April 11th to the 13th. Come by and say hi and see what you can build with bamboo. Contact them uh, for any kind of event planning, display building. If you need construction-grade or craft-grade bamboo products, uh, call Amanda at 503-839-8126, 503-839-8126, or visit PacificWestBamboo.com, their brand-new website. Uh, We're also sponsored by the New World Mexican Women. Uh, this is a rural Mexican craft women's cooperative. Uh, they are traditional makers of fine handcrafted, authentic jewelry. They use beautiful stone mosaics and Pacific blue Abilene inlay. Uh, they, have, they have a wonderful book of love letters written to their men in the United States, begging them to return to their families in Mexico. But they've written a new book, and it's uh, called. Uh, it's about a young girl that falls in love with a rodeo bull rider and runs off with him without telling her family. It's a beautiful love story called... Azukina part one, Azukina to the rodeo. Uh, You can find their books and jewelry by clicking on their banner ad at opermanreport.com or by Googling New World Mexican Women. Uh, You can also find your business or website right here and have your ad played all over the world seven days a week uh, by emailing opermanreport at gmail.com or calling 800 Five seven
3: two nine seven
2: six two. Okay, welcome back to the Opperman Report After Show. This show is brought to you by Audible.com. You go to Audible trial front slash. Opperman Report. Get yourself a free audio book. Sign up for free. Uh, get a free book and uh, help support the show. And don't forget, tonight, we just launched tonight our new members-only archive section uh, to the uh where you can go there and you can sign up. We have all kinds of new, brand new content. The Friday Night Show is going to stay exactly the way it is. It's going to be free. It's going to be replayed on all these stations all throughout the week. Uh, every day on FPRN, Tuesday nights, late night in the Midlands, uh, everything, right? But we're going to be doing extra shows uh, where uh, I'm going to be recording shows during the week. Uh, Some weeks, it'll be three shows. Some weeks, it'll be five shows. Some weeks, it'll be one show. So I don't think I'm guaranteeing you any kind of number of shows per week. It's as much as I can get out there to you. But it'll be in this members-only archive section. Uh, you, You guys like the content I put out there, so keep in mind... And any kind of membership we get, subscribers we get who, who fund this, this, this going forward project. <clears throat> this funds bigger shows we can do in the future uh, with bigger guests. We had a, John Morgan. We had to fly him out. We had to get him a limousine. We had to get him a room at the, the, the Hilton to get, come on our show. <laughs> we had to really set him up. And uh, we had to get him some cough medicine. So these shows aren't cheap. These shows, oh, aren't, cheap. <laughs> these shows oh. aren't cheap. I wish too. You gotta come to the U.S., my friend, look me up, okay? And uh oh, Definitely.
3: Yeah, I will do.
2: Thank you, sir. Okay, now, well, John Morgan, by the way, is the author of uh, Paris to London, uh, Paris dash London Connection, The Assassination of Princess Diana. That's the smaller book that's like a synopsis of all this stuff. And with, with incredible information, you got to get this one. But the big one, if you really want to spend some time and really call yourself a researcher, uh, how they murdered Princess Diana, uh, The sh- Shocking Truth. Uh, incredible. Uh, diagrams there's everything in here The charts stuff that you know you can't even my god this guy's devoted his life uh many years of his life to this work and uh we really appreciate it john we've been joined but thank you you, sir we've been joined by mike gray uh who's a frequent caller and the host of parlay uh um uh, and mike what do you got to say for us tonight
1: oh hello hi all hello hello how are you sir Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry I didn't get to listen to the first uh, half of the I, – I came in the last 30 minutes because I was listening to uh, iHeart. Sorry. I didn't realize you were on speaker, li- uh, speaker live. So – but okay. I, I followed the Diana case um, and uh, – ah, where to begin? Okay, well, the first thing is her name is Diana, which she's named <laughs> after a goddess, the goddess Diana yeah i'm not sure whether that was deliberate i don't know okay um so you're we're basically on board that she was sacrificed correct is that where we're going with this Murdered? no not,
2: no i don't think so at all his uh, uh john morgan's theory is that it was based on um uh her work on the landmines the fact that uh the, the british royals and the upper crust in in britain uh did not want her marrying a uh an Arab, you know, who they look down on right? And, uh, and and pretty much that that she embarrassed the Royals and that kind of theory. Oh, and, okay. but, but John, let me ask you this. Well, can uh, I get in? Go ahead. No, well, John, let me ask you this question. Uh, because you're familiar with the Jimmy Savile uh, scandal.
3: Uh, Jimmy Savile? Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. Right.
2: Now it seems to me that because he was so close with Charles and with the mm. Royals, that that type of scandal and her saying, "Hey, man, I'm gonna rat you guys all about what you're doing with Jimmy Savile. This guy's a serial killer. He's over there with the Yorkshire Ripper. He's doing all this stuff. My God, that if she was kind of kind of exposed that, that would be a motive to to murder her.
3: That, that's right. Yeah, that is possible. That certainly she was privy to information. Yeah. Um, you know about the goings on in the royal family, and uh, you know possibly even in the top establishment. Um, outside of the law, but she was privy to information, and uh, yeah, she, you know, she may well have been um, planning to go public with some of the stuff. I mean, she 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 already had form for going public. She wasn't afraid to go public. You know, she had done it with the book with Andrew Morton. She was she had done it with the panorama on national TV. So why wouldn't she go further? Um, you know, and. Uh, so there's various reasons why she's a person that they wanted to shut up and remove, and uh, that's why. I, I agree. I agree about several. Yeah.
2: Okay, she, but now she Mike was, was bringing up this whole theory about that uh, it, it was some kind of a, a ritualistic uh, sacrifice, and I've seen. Well, go ahead.
1: Okay. Well, here you know, here it is. She was dating Dodi Fayed. He's an Egyptian. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so the thing is, they were presenting her as Isis, and he was Horus, and she was giving birth to Osiris. You see, and yeah. the, the tunnel that she was killed in that the, that tunnel was mm. e- existed as a, t- uh, a a tunnel system in ancient times, and that's where they would the druids and the pagans would perform sacrifices. And what you would have to do is when you uh slit them, you would bleed them out so she, so that's why they left her in that tunnel because she had a bleed out in that tunnel that's why the ambulance that's why they left her in that that tunnel in the ambulance because she had a bleed there see
2: what do you make of that john
3: yeah well i i've never i i've i've been aware of um information along these lines I, there are people that subscribe to her i've never i've never um you know pursued it i've never I've never studied it, so right. I, I can't I, – I just really can't – and, I and, can't really comment and, on it. Yeah.
1: Okay, and okay. also all the – who had the power to turn off all the CT cameras well, yeah, no doubt. In, in, yeah, was, yeah. in all of uh, in, uh, in uh, Paris? It just mm-hmm. so happens that all the CT cameras were cut off. And the fact mm-hmm. that it was an Uno motorcycle or an Udo uh, – they claim it was a uh, – The Fiat was Uno that? was a car. But it was an Uno, was it? Yeah. Yeah, okay, you know Uno it? is U-N, Uno-1. See the symbolism? Mm-hmm. And they hit the 13th yeah. pillar.
2: All right, you're going overboard. Let me ask a question, though. Uh, along these lines, though, John, <laughs> there, there yeah. is, above that uh, tunnel right now, I saw a video of it today, there is, a, like, a statue of an eternal flame. Yes. Yeah, what is that? Was that there before the death or after? Um, it could have
3: been before, yeah. I, I'm not sure, actually. Yeah, I, I
2: think i think it was before
1: i think it was there before
2: you think it was there before well that would be interesting that would kind of fit in with mike's kind of theory too
1: well that's samarimus that the 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 statue of liberty and there's a statue of liberty in paris a smaller one with the with the eternal flame and just like prometheus handing humans the the flame of knowledge let's say that is uh the statue of liberty, the statue of liberty is queen samarimus which is isis as well so there yes. she is represent diana it's all equal okay Diana, the goddess Diana, is the di- is the goddess Isis, is the goddess Samarimus. It's the same thing. So they marked her death with an eternal flame, just like the Statue of Liberty holds an, an eternal flame. Mm. They tell us it stands for liberty, but it means something else to, to the powers that be.
3: Mm. Yeah, well, I've never studied the symbolism, so, yeah, I, I, I can't discount it. I'm, I mean, it's no, just that no, I don't know. I've, no, I've never, I, can't, see, I, I've, I've spent sort of um 10 years on this and yeah and i've all i've done is studied the evidence from the point of view of witnesses and uh and um documentary and that's kept me going without actually getting into any other aspects of it you know
1: right Right. but very odd that they kept her in that tunnel and why didn't they take her immediately to the hospital because they were only what like less than 20 minutes away to the hospital
2: or even less than that it was like three miles
1: Yes, right. But, but the thing, and is, then when they did, and then when they did go there, they went very slow. It, it was said they didn't speed right. or nothing; they just had no, to. Too
2: slow. Well, John, yes. let, let me ask you this, John, because once they had her in the ambulance, I guess they could have killed her in there in, in, in five minutes or even one minute if they wanted to. You know what I mean? Uh, and so now the thing is, that- is too is they could have killed her in a minute, right? And also too, it seems like they controlled the autopsies. You know, if they were just swapping around. Uh, Dodi Fayed's body uh, my god they could have who cares what they could have poisoned her and who cares what the autopsy said because they would have had fake blood and all that kind of stuff too as well Um, what do you think think the problem problem for the guys in the ambulance was that the people in the
3: hospital were not part of it right so once Diana arrived at the hospital she was going into the hands of innocent people that were not involved in the operation so these guys at the hospital did everything within their power to try and save her And uh, so if they had done something in the ambulance that was clearly murder, then the people at the hospital would have been raising questions. And as it turns out, actually, and a lot of people don't know this, that Dr Bruno Ryu, who was the doctor in charge at the hospital on that night, and he was the doctor involved in uh, Diana's uh, case, he... Had to fill out the death certificate, and on the death certificate there's a square box that um is the, is the death suspicious and he ticked yes right so so he i I think that he had suspicions around what occurred in the ambulance, and uh that's why he ticked yes because he couldn't have possibly known anything about the car crash itself um about he why did he take yes
2: that is so true that is i didn't i knew he had checked off off suspicious suspicious. but Mm. now that you say that 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 is so absolutely true true. the only thing he had to work on was was Was, what happened (laughs) in the ambulance
3: yeah you're cutting out about the i didn't hear sorry could you say that again
2: yeah i was saying because i was was aware that um uh he had he had checked off suspicious. But yeah. you're right, he would not have known what happened in the crash. the only thing oh. he could have been suspicious of is what happened in the ambulance.
3: Yes, yes, that's right. And that's his area of expertise. Right. Because he'd be used to people coming in from ambulances and why does it take nearly two hours to get there and why you know, why does she die almost straight after she arrives and you know, so he would have on the night. He, he filled that desert of a particular and not long after she died. And on the night, he ticked that box. So,
2: now, let me ask you this. Uh, Noel uh, Botham, uh, he he wrote a book called The Murder of Princess Diana. Right? Are you familiar with that book? Oh, uh, yeah, Noel Botham, yeah. Yes. Okay, now he's dead now. Yes. Anything suspicious about his death?
3: <laughs> yeah, well, I think he died.
2: So from what I know, I think he...
3: Was at a hotel when he died. Um, I, I I haven't heard of anything suspicious. No. Okay, well <laughs> but no. At age of day, he wasn't that old, you know, he sort of Yeah, I dunno. He was I a big know. fat
2: guy though, he was a big he could have had heart, yeah. Bill, yeah. He might
3: have been high living. Yeah. Could have been died from high living. I dunno. Okay. But yeah. Now how yeah, about you?
2: Have you had any kind of threats or any kind of harassment or anything?
3: Uh, no, no, nothing specific, not really. I, I've i had a lot of interference, um, that, you know, with, um, the books and things, but okay. publishing that sort of thing, interference, sort of cyber interference, but, but nothing that's really stopped me, you know, I've had nothing that's stopped me. Mm.
2: Yeah, but there is, there is a degree of infiltration and interference and people, uh, people who you know that are kind of messing with you.
3: Uh, yeah, probably more people I don't
2: know. I oh, don't know. Okay. Now, what about uh, with this uh, again? With this paparazzi guy who had the Fiat Uno, he was the yep. last person to see another person who who was assassinated. Is that correct? Sorry, he was the. He was the last person to photograph oh. and meet with a certain dignitary or some kind of a famous person uh, who was. Oh
3: yeah yeah okay yeah he he yeah he had a.
2: There was an interesting interview um
3: on a uh, documentary done in the u k um, the Diana the night she died so, yeah. okay. and um, <laughs> that documentary uh, in that documentary there was an interview with a intelligence french intelligence person x ex intelligence and um they said that he that james anderson had a sort of uncanny expertise of, of, um, being around people who then soon died. Yeah. And he was a celebrity, uh, photographer. Um, he, he knew the prime minister of France, um, Béret I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce it, Pierre Béret and, uh, and then he died, um, very soon i think he was the other day or something and then he died the next day or something but th- there was um yeah th- so he had yeah there's some, some he definitely had links to intelligence uh james Anderson. so yeah whether he was being used to assassinate people well in diana's case he was clearly used
2: mm. and uh yeah Maybe his dog was the one that was really <laughs> the agent. <Huh. laughs> Maybe his dog in the car with him was really the agent. He was just following around the dog. He had to drive yeah. the car. The dog was the assassin. Um, yeah, it is weird about the dog. The,
3: the dog he had a dog that fitted the description,
2: But um, But wait a second. You know what? Now that you mention it, uh, um, uh, Jack Ruby had his dog with him. And, <laughs> and he did. No, he did. He had his dogs with him in the car when he, when he shot uh, Oswald.
3: Why? Right. <laughs> It might be a sort of thing that calms everything
1: down.
2: Well, who knows? It's got, I'm getting nervous here. I don't know.
1: You ever see those <laughs> Davy and Goliath cartoons? Yeah, Davy and Goliath. Right? But Davy. What would God say?
2: <laughs> oh.
1: Hey, uh, um, did you ever go to Princess Di's um, burial site? She's buried on like an island. Uh, uh, she's buried in a lake on an in the center of an island, an artificial island in an artificial lake or pond.
3: Yeah, I've not been there, no. But um,
1: that's and, right. And yeah, it's it's an oval. It's an oval pond, a very big oval pond. In the center is a a mound, a dirt mound, or you know, like a little island. And she's got her little memorial. But the thing is, it's you can't see it because it's all vegetation now. But it's surrounded by four big, huge black swan statues. One feet fa- away, facing away. One facing north. East, south, and west. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm.
2: Black swans. Okay. <laughs> well, there you go. That proves it. Okay. One more question. <laughs> now, the, the doubting the, Thomas. No, what? no, Mike. I, I, there's, I, I, there's a whole uh, avenue to that too, um, but uh, I don't think that uh, tonight tonight for that stuff. Um, but while we're at it, though, at the crime scene there. Uh, in the tunnel. Uh, they now they allowed uh street sweepers to come through there and clean up and and wash up the crime scene as well
3: yeah a truck a cleaning truck here
2: they um a detergent
3: they yeah they just went right through the tunnel cleaning it um they cleaned it twice actually they they um first time i think it was about five o'clock four or five o'clock in the morning and then the second time um about eight or nine o'clock. So they they opened the, they, they cleaned the tunnel and then opened it up both directions, the traffic in both directions um, within about five hours of the crash. And uh, <clears throat> so, you know, people, a journalist came to the scene at 7am and said, I was shocked. He said, Diana had died and the tunnel was open. Um, you know they expected it to be closed for a couple of days after a major crash like that. Uh, not necessarily both sides, but the the uh, westbound side where the car was. But anyway, it wasn't, and uh, they they reopened the tunnel, and then and then they reclosed it. The, that they reclosed those lanes, the westbound lanes. Um, probably I don't know about 8:30 or something, and uh, the. Uh, and then they um sent the cleaning trucks through again
2: so that's interesting because they would close it again see something that needed to be cleaned up and say hey get those trucks the hell back here quick you know we need to clean this up
3: yeah they were getting rid of evidence yeah and
2: they uh pretty shocking really
3: uh it was right from the start there was a cover-up rather than an investigation really right and that's where the, that, that's where anyone who sort of looks into what the French and the British police did, that they see evidence of like like locking away the Mishcon note for six years, you know, and only coming out with it once Burrow went public with the other note, because then they had to because the other lawyers knew about the Mishcon note, and so they had to reveal that they had it, uh, so that but their hand was forced. Otherwise, it still would have been locked up.
2: Yeah, right. Okay, well, we're still taking calls, guys. 702-605-4894 or you can Skype in at ed.opperman. Um Let's see, what else? Um, is it true that uh, that they swapped out that Mercedes uh, right before this accident?
3: Uh, yeah, well, what happened is the Mercedes See, they came up with a decoy plan. So the decoy plan was ostensibly to, to show, to say, OK, well, you we don't want the paparazzi to be able to follow the Mercedes. So what we'll do is we'll keep the main Mercedes that they'd been driving in during the day, keep that out the front of the Ritz Hotel, the backup car, and then we'll go in a, a, a third car, um, what was called the third car, which was the second Mercedes, Out the back and when you look at the um, choice of mercedes they had to be able to do that there was actually only one and every night there was only one mercedes in the car park and the reason for that is because the other drivers for the ritz hotel um, had garages at home and they would take their cars home at night but this particular guy who drove this particular mercedes which was used on the night that, that driver didn't have a garage at home, so he would just always park his car in the car park and then hand the keys into reception.
2: Gotcha.
3: So it was always a basic car available. So that was a known car. That that, that 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 would be the car, and there was only one. So it was quite a simple process, really, to um, to make any modifications they wanted to to that car. So so at quarter past eight at night, that on that night of the crash. The car was driven into the car park by the regular driver and uh it's it's interesting that at 20 past eight the vice president of the hotel claude roulet who was also working for intelligence so there was two agents in the hotel he was there and also he, he he was seen leaving the hotel at 20 past eight so the car went into the car park at quarter past eight he leaves the hotel at 20 past eight and he may well have been used by intelligence to direct the um, operatives to the car so that they, pick, they, they they did whatever they needed to to, to the right car. And um, the, one of the things they did is they jammed up the, seat, the two back seat belts. Um, and also, they may have done other things. There's no evidence to show exactly what happened. But um, certainly the seat belts were tampered with, that's for sure. And,
2: uh, it's a very expensive car to have seatbelts malfunction, you know, is is very unusual. Oh, absolutely. It's a brand new car. car.
3: Right.
2: Yeah. Now, but, uh, uh, Muhammad Al-Fayed, when this first happened, he, he fell for that whole paparazzi story. He was blaming the paparazzi and he was also telling Dodie, just stay there at the Ritz. You got everything you need. Stay right there. Don't go. What was the motivation? Uh, the, for uh, diana and uh and jody to leave the ritz and go to this this apartment
3: oh i think that they uh they were always leaving the ritz you know like so when they arrived yeah the, the plan was that they were there for dinner that they they'd gone out for dinner. Uh, so they'd come from the apartment so they so they they they'd go they'd when they arrived in Paris, they went initially to the Villa Windsor. Then they went to the hotel. they spent a few hours at the hotel. Then they went back to the apartment and got all their luggage was at the apartment. everything was there right okay so, right. so they they freshened up and they they had a shower and all that sort of thing and then they came out again at about nine o'clock nine thirty and um that and they and the intention was to have dinner at the Ritz and uh, and then go back to the apartment. So that was always intention, because, you know, like I said, the luggage was all there. With, their base was at the apartment. And so they'd just gone to the Ritz for dinner. And so um, one of the things that was very suspicious about Henry Paul's behaviour was that he, he was going out to the paparazzi in the last hour or two, last couple of hours, um, telling the paparazzi that that um, Diana and Dodie would be leaving the hotel. I mean, that's not something that... He was head of security there at the hotel. That's not something that you expect the security chief at the hotel to be telling the paparazzi. they meant to be telling the paparazzi, look, guys, I'm sorry, but these two are staying here tonight. It, you, you might as well just go home, you know? But that's not what happened. And uh, so he... He was actually giving them time schedules he was saying like half an hour before they they left he's out with the paparazzi saying oh there's only 10 15 minutes to go you know and he counted down and then the next time he came out 10 minutes so 15 minutes next time he comes out 10 minutes to go next time five minutes and he's coming out every sort of 10 minutes or so to to see the paparazzi you know and so it's very, very strange behaviour, and the paparazzi said they'd never seen anything like that ever happen before.
2: Hmm. And he's not staggering around when he's when he's doing this. He's he's coming. No, no, no yeah, no, that's yeah.
3: So it's 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 he's just following instructions. He's been told what to do. Yeah, right. he, right. he's not. He's he's thinking. Oh well, okay. For some reason, they want the paparazzi there when they leave, but he's not really thinking it through. Probably. But he's certainly not thinking that, oh, I'm going to be part of the assassination of Diana. And he's certainly not thinking, well, I'm going to be dead tonight, right. you know. So why is he doing these things? He, he's, been, he's just been told what to say. Okay, make sure the paparazzi stay there, you know. That's part of the plan to avoid this attack or whatever, you know. However they gave it to him, that's what he took. And he, he was getting paid very well for it. He had it in his pocket. He had 1,200 pounds oh, really? um, in his pocket for, for, that had been paid to him that night, you know. So, uh, now, he, he was, was paid for
2: money. Oh, that's interesting. Now, even before, though, even before his uh, autopsy, uh, I think it was the, the, the police in uh, in France were saying, oh, he was as drunk as a pig. He was a drunken pig that night. Um, yeah, yeah
3: I, law I, law I, law. I, I haven't seen evidence of that. But oh, no, the, oh, but- Okay. Yeah. The evidence. Like the evidence I've seen is that once the autopsy, so they quickly did the autopsy, and they quickly got the results. They had the results by uh, the uh, next morning, and uh, straight after the results were out, then the um, that they had. A, that's right. They had the initial results, and they had an independent, independent with inverted commas around it, um, test done on the autopsy. And they came out with similar results. That's where you get the 1.87 on the first test, and then second test was 1.73, and then 1.74. So those um, those results um, were all, um, all in. They were all in by about sort of early afternoon on the day Following the um, crash, and uh, and then they went public. Um, drunk as a pig. Um, okay. So, the, so you had headlines. The first headlines that showed that were on the um, Evening Standard in London on September the first. Um, there was a headline: "Drunk as a pig."
2: Okay, just so people can get an idea, um, when Mel Gibson <coughs> was arrested in Malibu. And he got into a big fight with the cops and he was calling them the the, the jews start all the problems all over the world but he, when he was so out of control drunk okay and he says i own malibu might have a fired he was 0.12 0.12 oh,
3: <coughs> right, yeah, right. Dodie fayed was 1.8 well is... i know you've got to talk it's probably 0.12 is probably 1.2 you know what i mean it it, it it depends on how you're looking at it um it's different Ratings.
2: oh you oh it's different over there than it is here
3: They, they they yeah they they do things you know like um yeah okay See, sometimes it's stocked on as 0.05 as the limit and some some say 0.5 so there's a decimal point that it moves so when when you get a reading of 0.1 it had, it had some drinks had he now
2: yeah had okay some. here in the states 0.05 Okay. Yeah, point oh yeah, five would be like two martinis, you know, or like four beers yeah. would be point oh five in, in like two hours, you know. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so well, okay, we have to do the math on that. I'm, that's beyond me. <laughs> okay, but there was a situation too where uh, it came out uh, that when they the, the police searched his home the first time, uh, they only yeah. found a little bit of booze, but then later they went back again and they found like a whole uh, uh, liquor store
3: that's right. That's <laughs> that was part of the setup. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Yeah, the fir- the first one they found three bottles. Um, you know, and then the second time, eighteen bottles. The second search found eighteen bottles. You know, oh my just, God. it's outrageous what they did. It was just a complete operation to cover up and set them up so that they, they had. They ended up with two. Um, Two sort of uh, targets for who did the crashes, Henry Paul and the paparazzi, and, and they, they were the two they wanted to pin the crash on. So it was a sort of, even that's a backup, you know. If one falls through, then you've still got the other, one. you know. So as it ended, as it ended up, both have stuck because um, Henry
1: Paul
3: was seen. If, if you ask people in the street who, who did the crash? Who was responsible for the crash? They'll either say the driver, or they'll say the paparazzi or they'll say both. Right. And you know, that's how it's turned out. So it's exactly how they planned it from before the crash.
2: Yeah, and and the Royal Press. Uh, it's very interesting too, I noticed because I was watching these documentaries today. Um, the Royal Press uh, covered this thing like like gossip column, you know, and when this thing came out with uh, Jeffrey Epstein, uh, this this child molestation case here in the United States that involved Prince Andrew, uh, um, the same people came out. It was the royal press who came on all of our uh, U.S. talk shows uh, defending the royals, saying, oh, ho, 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 this is impossible because uh, uh, she could never have met with the queen and, and and they 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 did this kind of smarmy kind of uh, snarky,
1: yeah,
2: and present. Yeah, it was very arrogant. Uh, you yeah. know, uh, what what do you make of that?
3: Yeah, they sort of distance themselves, you know, and they and it doesn't really matter whether it ties in with the truth. It's it's got no relevance. They they distance themselves, and most of the population believe it. So if they hear the royal um, press office come out with a statement, then most people believe it and um, they
2: know that. Well, then let me ask you a question. How has your book been received among the, amongst the general public? Like the comments on Amazon and when <coughs> do you get to do mainstream uh, uh, media or is it all alternative media kind of stuff?
3: No, I, I've been on the front page of the Daily Express in London a few times with the books. Okay. Um, okay. And, and uh, also France 2 TV. They interviewed me in 2013 um, for a documentary, which they ran. Um, so I've had the Daily Mail in London. Uh, they are one of the biggest papers in the world. They they did something just recently during the, when the play was on. Uh, so, yeah, there's been a bit of a mix. I mean, most of the mainstream have steered clear of me, but the... um. That that the, uh, I think there's a, there's a sort of, uh, at times there's been, a, a there may have even been um, instructions. I mean, they do get instructions. It's not a free press, so yeah. yeah, they may have had instructions, and and I know that. so even if the Daily Express, uh, they they would put me on the front page but then as soon as i said anything about the royals uh, which i didn't do till part five because i was still working out you know who was behind it uh, the the royals and mi6 uh, came out in part five and and then they wouldn't run that you know so they didn't run that and they they didn't do any books after that so uh yeah it's sort of it's, it's there's been various involvement by the mainstream, but it has been very limited, really. When you think about the, when you think about the importance of the story, right? Because right. I mean, Diana was the most iconic person in the world, the most photographed woman, and uh, and you know the very much loved princess of Britain and the UK, and uh, and so uh, you can't really get. When you're talking about assassinations, I mean, she wasn't a political figure, um, and yet she got assassinated. So she, she, she comes up there amongst the most interesting or intriguing assassinations of our time. And so it's a very, very significant story. And so you'd expect there to be proper coverage, but you don't get it. You don't get proper coverage. And, and if anybody
2: <laughs> took the time to pick up these books, you know, through them, you know, uh, like it's all there. This is, this yeah. is, this is a legitimate investigation. You, you can get a murder conviction with, with, <laughs> with, the oh. done. you think you could get a murder uh, conviction, you know, oh. but if it was someone named John Smith or, you know, or, or yeah. you'd get a murder conviction.
3: Absolutely no. There's enough evidence. Here. They they convict people on circumstantial evidence, you know. And uh, there's enough circumstantial evidence pointing to the senior Royals. No. no. Um, there's enough evidence pointing to MI6. There's um, oh the, the the evidence when you look at it as a case. Uh, overall, the overall the evidence is overwhelming. Once once you get to the end of it, and in the end of that book, who the how they murdered princess diana there's a list of um what i call elephants in the room Um, and there's a long list it's a long list of elephants in the room and uh, anyone reading that list you know it's got to raise questions it has to raise questions it has to it has to say okay this looks like an assassination and then when you go through the evidence then you can see okay it is an assassination and this is who's behind it the case is i mean there's enough information there the case is basically it's basically there, but there's a lot of things too that I'd like to be able to fill in, um, but they're not going to be able to unless people are prepared to speak. Uh, you know, when they probably probably on their deathbeds, I think. Yeah, because well, you ha-
2: you have other information that that hasn't made it to the books. Yeah, there's
3: some there is. Questions that that I would like to see the answers to, uh, that. I think that, uh, you know, as time about, so you get the SAS thing in 2013, and just the way the police dealt with it, it's on my website, it talks about that. It's just outrageous what the police did, because they, they, they said, okay, we'll investigate this. So they spent three months investigating it from September through to just before Christmas. Then they come out with the um, the, the report, and then they make the report almost impossible for anyone to find. I had people from the UK emailing me saying where is this report you know and uh, because the the, the police had sort of trumpeted said, oh the report's coming out on such and such a day you know and then when the day comes okay it was not the news but where was the report you know and and it was there but it was it was closeted away on Sky News website you know some place where you wouldn't it was a place on the page where you wouldn't be expecting to see it you know and anyway I picked it up and I've republished it there on the website and it's a very short report because it says that um, okay we've we've investigated this we've we've interviewed witnesses and we've concluded that there was nothing suspicious and no reason to re revisit the um, death of Diana you know and but and, and they said we for, for, for reasons of privacy we cannot say who we who we interviewed. We can't say what they said, and um, and that was it. So, so that was the investigation, was the interviewing the people, see what they said. But we couldn't actually say who we interviewed or what they <laughs> what said to us, so to who they interviewed. <laughs> and what they said. You've got to look at the newspaper articles from based on leaks from within the police um, saying you know what these people said um, during their interviews. And those leaks are in the papers, but they wouldn't put it into the police report because it's too damning. You know, you look at what the wife said. I think the wife's still in hiding. You know, she was
2: she was warned she'd better go into hiding. As, as I know, she's still in hiding. Yeah, that's so, the one with the SS the the SAS uh, the the wife and the mother in law that wrote the letter. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's not. It, it comes off here when they when they play that here in the tabloids, they try and make it sound like well, there was a divorce going on, and she was looking for publicity and stuff like that. But it wasn't like that at all. The, the mother-in-law wrote a letter to his commanding officers saying, hey, look that's what this right. guy's involved in. That's right. Yeah.
3: Yeah, and, um, you know, it's credible. When you look at what the wife said, the way she said it, according to the newspapers, um, then, you know, it's a credible account. Yeah. That that's what could happen. I mean, it was it happened over... What happened is the SAS soldier in, he, he was... Um, he helped. He he helped Prince William with a driving test. That's what it was. It was. I mean, driving. Um, you know, sort of driving lesson about how to deal with terrorism, that sort of thing in the car. You know, and so he's he's um, an SAS guy, and he's he's giving Prince William that lesson. So when he gets home at night, he says to his wife, "Oh, well, today? I was um, with Prince William. You know, showing him about driving skills. You know." attack or whatever it was and uh and then uh, wife says boy it's a pity that, that those um, that, that that those boys mothers are not around to see them all, you know? and uh and then the, the conversation moves on you know and then soldier in says well actually we're, yes, sas wouldn involved and that and uh, you know so that's how it that's how he said it that's how it came out and that's credible it's credible it's um it's an interesting story and and the police just um have just completely pushed it aside and said no no not for us to sort of investigate further you know
2: now what about uh princess die's sons uh do they Object to this, or do I say anything, or do anything? Hence.
3: No, well, they can't really, can they? They sort of. Um, um, I imagine if one of them tried to get in touch with me, it'd be a trouble, wouldn't it? Yeah, imagine yeah. yeah, if the media found out about that. They 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 just can't. I think their hands are tied. But I have been told by people that um, they would be reading that books, and, and not only them, but people. That, Senior royals and the family would be reading the books, and uh, that you know. So I, I think as a, I put myself in that position, you know, I sort of killed, my mother got killed, and and there was a hint of suspicion about it. Then you'd be you'd be sort of you know you'd be prepared to move mountains to find out what actually
1: happened, wouldn't you? you know? So can, can I say something about that? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, the royals. Not so much Princess Diana, and I don't know <laughs> about the sons, but but Prince Charles and the Queen and the King Philip or whatever, was, they they're not, they have no feelings. They they're like sociopaths or psychopaths.
2: Well, with all that inbreeding, yeah, that would be likely.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, now, that's right. The they're boys,
2: not you know, Henry. you have Henry,
1: which is the youngest one. Uh, Harry. Harry, well, Harry, yeah, Prince Harry you know he's wearing nazi you know at parties he's wearing nazi uniforms and and in vegas he he bent over some girl at a they were all naked you know and he was behind some girl and then i don't know if that was his girlfriend but she got arrested when she went back to london did you hear about that
2: no i didn't hear about that no but the, there's a lot of talk about the when it, when they come to town here
1: yeah
3: i yeah, i think the boys are um sort of not as royal as the, as the seniors. Um, you know, because of their influence from Diana, I think, I think Diana made a real effort to try and keep them sort of un, as unbrainwashed as she could uh, in her position. And so they've come out a little bit different to what the royals would like, I'd say. Uh, you know, there's things like William and Kate, they, they don't have the normal servants. And you know, in their lives, um, mm. they've mm. tried to keep things as normal as they can. And uh, even even last year at Christmas, that they didn't go to Sandringham. You know, they went to Cape. Uh, but, but they they go to
1: Balmoral, 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 Balmoral. Castle, right?
3: Uh, yeah, Balmoral. At, yeah. No, yeah. At Christmas. That's at um, yeah.
1: the holiday. Think about that word, Balmoral. True, B A yeah. B. Aal bail, yeah.
2: bail yeah. is it? That's yeah, it's... right. So now, any other unusual deaths uh, from the witnesses in this uh, Diana case? Uh... Oh, yeah, well, there
3: was a lawyer uh-huh. who uh-huh. who saw. Um, he was a witness. He, he was in the Royal Alma Hotel, so he was uh, just a couple of streets away uh, from the crash scene, and uh, he heard the crash. So this is a. Uh, 23 past midnight, he's in his hotel room on the second floor of the Royal Alma Hotel and he's with his wife, he's awake and he hears the crash the noise of the crash, so he goes to his window and he looks out and uh, he hears some activity um, and then uh, and then he uh, what does he do oh, I can't remember the exact detail now but anyway, within, within. So he sees these two cars uh, he's a London lawyer this guy actually um, Gary Hunter I think his name was and he um, sees these two cars uh, leave the tunnel and they they, they take a couple of um, shortcuts to get down a road that leads right Under his hotel room, so they and these guys are speeding. The the one's a white Mercedes, and the other one is a, um, I think it's a dark Fiat Uno. Uh, So these two cars are sort of conjoined together. You know, travelling under his window.